Do you know this is the first Sunday um, of the new term? So schools have schools gone back already? <laughs> oh, Helen, we'll be praying for you. I pray for the teachers. I don't know who could be a teacher these days, especially during lockdown. Oh, so schools are back. Um, I'm seeing some a guy from Star College as well. So we've got Star College back with us, which is great. <laughs> we will be starting our interactive services at some point, hopefully. I don't want to put a date on it, but hopefully it's going to be in a few weeks' time. Um, um, so that, that's going to be really good too. But welcome. I'm going to read to you. I'm going to start this morning by reading from the book of Colossians. So this was a letter written by a man called Paul to a church in a city called Colossae, which was in modern-day Turkey. And these were believers in Jesus who Paul probably hadn't actually met, but he had heard that they were facing pressure to conform to the culture and to Jewish law, and that there were extra rules and false teachings that were being added to the faith. And so he sends this letter to encourage the Christians who are remaining faithful to the gospel to not compromise or turn from Jesus. And you know, it is definitely a message for now, (laughs) right in our culture, in our society, that it is in knowing Jesus better that we are safeguarded from the counterfeit. You know, James has been, James is our senior pastor, and he's been talking about this in his recent series, which you can find on YouTube, which is all about the truth that it is the finished work of Jesus himself and nothing else that gives us the hope for eternity that makes all the difference in the here and now. And, you know, Paul at this time when he was writing this letter was in prison in Rome when he wrote it. But what an encouragement for him to hear that despite the difficulties and the setbacks, that the gospel was spreading and lives were changing And the message about the kingdom of God was advancing and it was making a massive difference here on the earth. And 2,000 years later, we're still here, right? The church is still growing. That is such an encouragement to me. So here's just a few verses from chapter 1. I'm starting at verse 9. As he encouraged his fellow brothers and sisters to stand firm. And this isn't the first time I've highlighted these verses over the last year, but they are worth repeating again, and especially now. And so this is what we read. It says, We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Anybody want some wisdom and understanding? I hope that's why you've come to church this morning. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power. So you will have all the endurance and patience you need. Anyone need some endurance and patience? (laughs) Helen. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) May you be filled with joy. Always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. 
Amen. Amen. Who am I looking for? Is Jill around? Do you want to come and pray, Jill? Come up and pray for me. Come up and pray for us. Pray for the people at home who are watching in. That God's word will really have its impact this morning. Father, thank you that you are king. And you're our shepherd too. And Father, I pray this morning for, for Ollie that you will anoint his words. And that each word will land where you want it to land. Father, pray for all of us that you'll be preparing our hearts to hear what it is you want to say to us. And Father, I, I just pray that for everyone who hears your word this morning, that their lives will be, our lives will be transformed because of you. Amen. Okay, are you ready for the start of this new term? <laughs> Doesn't sound like it. Oh my goodness, I've got a tough crowd this morning. Okay. <laughs> um, so, where are we? So I want to encourage and motivate us with three words over these next few weeks. And those words are... Make a difference. Make a difference. I've been challenged by these words ever since a few of us were over in St. James's Park, just across uh, the car park. And um, we were over there praying. It was a, it was a prayer meeting morning. And um, I saw these words literally shouting at me <laughs> from a graffiti wall uh, just over the basketball court. Make a difference. And um, I think the problem with this last 18 months with the global pandemic that we've all been experiencing is that things have become so much more difficult and limited. And with the call to stay at home, do you remember that one? Back in March last year, the impact for many has been isolation and disconnection and actually self-preservation. And much as we've tried really hard at church to, to keep people connected and supported and included, the reality is that many people, many people have had a real crisis of faith with themselves, with other people, with God even. So I believe that this is now a time to address that. And certainly for church to be the hope and the help that it was always meant to be. You know, throughout history, from the time the Bible letters were being written to, to across the world even today, the church has flourished and been at its best in times of adversity and threat, actually. You know, in January, uh, James, our senior pastor, was encouraging us to raise our expectations. I don't know if you can think back, those of you who are here, to January, to our vision morning. Raise our expectations. Believe for the greater things. It was some verses from Ephesians 3. To trust in our super abundant God who can do more than we can ask, think, or even imagine. You know, all of the different teaching and preaching series that I've done over this year have tried to feed into that and motivate us to action. 
Starting with not finished yet. Remember that? Continuing with, with who do you say I am? As we took another look at Jesus in the run-up to Easter, the good news, the Son of God, the King of glory, our passionate Saviour, Lord of all, the resurrection and the life. If we could only know him better and better, like we read, what a difference that would make to our mission. We've looked at the fact that our lives are messages, but what are we saying? What are we saying to the world around us? If I call myself a Christian, then how is Jesus perceived by others through the way that I live? In what ways do I need to be different so that people can see Jesus in me? We took a quick pause to think about the act, the art, sorry, the art of listening to God. Because we need to hear what he says more than what anyone else says if we are truly going to be different and make an eternal difference. And then we started a major series based on the life of David called In the Dark Room. The premise being that whatever we go through, especially the dark times of life, that God can be using those times to develop us and get us to where he needs us the most. We looked at the obscurity of the field in the life of David. We looked at the loneliness of the battle. We looked at the hold of the cave, which is where he found himself, taking encouragement from the Bible, from people of history, and actually from those in our family here who have been through their own dark rooms, but have been able to see something more beautiful emerging as they have trusted in and held on to God. And throughout the summer, we've talked about what it means to be truly free in our series, Freedom for the Captives, and then how to be fit for purpose. (laughs) That's right. Getting us in better spiritual shape for the days ahead. And I have taught way too much (laughs) by the sound of it. But after all that talking, it's now time where we need to be increasingly walking it out to be that difference in order to make a difference. James often says when all is said and done, there's a lot more said than done. He said it last Sunday. (laughs) And he's right. But even more reason then to do something about it, right? We've been encouraging everyone in some way, to make a difference here. We can't do everything, but we can do something. And we can do more together than we can ever do alone. So it's been great to see teams here starting to grow, to see people offering not just their time, but also their ideas and their wisdom and their skills and talents and their finances. I mean, it all helps And it all works towards making the difference on a practical and a spiritual level when we all play our part and we bring it together. Well, I've been mulling over this phrase, make a difference, uh, for a couple of months now, actually, and asking God, what sort of a difference do you want us to make? I mean, if you were at our meeting last Wednesday night, you'll have heard more about that. But we definitely want to be reaching out more. It's part of our mission statement. To be a place of support and resource for families in a more effective way. 
Next week, we've got Jan and James. So Jan and James, these are David's mum and dad, by the way, but Jan and James were the two people that started Kingfisher in 1993, um, along with a few others of us. There was only 12 of us when we started. And for almost three decades, Kingfisher Church has been running and it's been growing, and we've seen its influence spread to other parts of the world, and certainly in Gloucester with Treasure Seekers, with the Social Enterprise, which is just doing an incredible job in Gloucester and beyond right now. And so they're going to be here next week. That's, that was my point. <laughs> Jan and James are coming and to, to talk about what a difference it has made to be part of Kingfisher Church for almost 30 years. What, is, what difference has it made to them? What difference has it made to hundreds, maybe thousands of other people. So, yeah, come here next week. It's going to be great. Now, to make a difference means to have a significant effect on a person or situation, to cause a change, to make something different in a good way. I mean, can you think of people in your lives who have made a difference to you? I mean, what was it they did? What was it they said that made such a difference? You know, just coming to church on a Sunday doesn't change much. Just saying you believe in God doesn't impact this world very much, actually. You know, according to those verses that we read in Colossians chapter 1, if we're going to be good news and proclaim good news and see lives changing like the Colossian church did, If we're going to live and love like Jesus, then we are going to need a few things because making a difference doesn't just happen by chance. It takes intent. So let's just review some of those verses again. This was verses 9 to 10 where it says, We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. You know, we need complete knowledge of God's will. We need spiritual wisdom and understanding so that we know how to live in a way that honors and pleases the Lord. That's what will result in producing good fruit, we're told. But how do we get it? How do we get that spiritual knowledge and understanding? This isn't just about acquiring knowledge, by the way. It's not about finding out what the rules and the regulations are and religiously following them to get a result. Actually, the next verse explains the how. It says, all the while you will grow... That is, grow in wisdom and understanding and living in a way that honors God and becoming more fruitful as you learn to know God better and better. It's all about relationship. All about relationship with God. And that's really what we try to encourage here through the talks on a Sunday and through James's online teaching. As we talk about Jesus and open up God's word, that's why it's worth coming to church services regularly. You know, getting to know anyone involves spending time with them, doesn't it? Discovering what they are like and the things that they like to do. You've got to spend time with people. 
These days, if we want to know things about people, what do we do? We go onto Facebook, don't we? Go and check out what are they saying? What are their likes and dislikes? Let's read all about them. <laughs> no, apparently employers are checking people out on Facebook before offering interviews. You know, be careful what you are posting. <laughs> but if you want to know God, if you want to know what he's like, then we need to go to the Bible. Not to Facebook, not to YouTube. The Bible. We need to talk to other people who know him. Getting to know him better and better is what gives us wisdom and understanding. But it also gives us the next thing that Paul prays for. He says, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power. So you will have all the endurance and patience you need. I mean, making a difference takes time and effort. You're going to need some spiritual strength. Verse 11, may you be filled with joy. Always thanking the Father. Well, the Bible is also clear that the joy of the Lord is your strength. We need to get some joy. How do we get it? With thankful hearts. Because a thankful heart is a heart that is guarded against getting disturbed and distracted. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. We need to be constantly reminded of the freedom and the forgiveness we have in Christ and be mindful of the kingdom that we are in. For those of us who are Christians, that is the kingdom of his dear son. Jesus is not just our saviour, he is our king. Jesus is who we represent. His kingdom is our place of residence and we are governed by his kingdom values and purposes. It is a wonderful place to be. It's an amazing way to live. Despite the fact that in this world right now, there is also the kingdom of darkness. The role of the church, therefore, is to be light. To be that difference so that we can make a tangible difference. Push back the kingdom of darkness. Both now and in eternity. That's what we're here to do. What an honor. What a responsibility. What a purpose. But you know, there is a threat to us making that difference. And it's called indifference. Indifference is described as having no particular interest or sympathy, apathetic, unconcerned, detached, neither good nor bad, mediocre. Now, I think this last 18 months has only served to heighten the risk of indifference. There's a phrase that our kids started saying back in the noughties, it was eventually banned in our house. <laughs> in fact, it wasn't even a phrase. It was three letters. CBA. If they didn't want to do something, CBA. If they were finding something difficult, CBA. Can't be. Don't think I'm allowed to say it in church. It's a word that means bothered. Can't be bothered. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you know, CBA also stands for something else. Cost Benefit Analysis. And what's going on behind the CBA, if I can't be bothered, is actually a decision that in that moment, the benefit is not worth the cost. Shall we go to church today? CBA. It's my day off. <laughs> Shall we go to the Connect Group tonight? CBA. Too tired, too stressed out. Shall we sacrifice some time and energy and finance to make an eternal difference? CBA. I want to spend that time and energy and money on me. Now, CBA will never achieve anything if you're measuring the benefit on what is only good for you. It makes you indifferent to the needs of others. And indifference is our biggest threat in the UK church. Do you know, in places like Iran or Afghanistan, you know, some of the stories I've been reading right now, you know, Christians are really counting the cost. Talk about a cost-benefit analysis. Their eyes are on Jesus. And to them, his gospel and following him is worth the sacrifice. There is an eternal benefit. And even though they are facing death for believing in Jesus, the church is growing as people turn to the one who is life. You know, if you go with me to the book of Revelation, there are seven letters written to seven churches from Jesus himself. And in chapter three of Revelation, this is what we read. And it's written to a church in a place called Laodicea. Say it with me, Laodicea. Laodicea. Sounds a lovely place, doesn't it? It was a wealthy city during the Roman period. Not only was Laodicea located on a major trade route that connected it to important cities like Ephesus and, and, and Sardis, it was also a center for textile production and banking. This was an affluent area. And it sounds like the Christians in Laodicea had become rather laid back and lazy. Let me read to you what Jesus said to them. It's pretty harsh. It says, this is the message from the one who is the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things that you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me so you will not be ashamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. The diligence is about showing care and conscientiousness in one's work or duties. Constant in effort to accomplish something. But how does it get to the, the state where people don't care? 
where they don't value the things of, the, of God, where they just become indifferent to it all. I mean, how does passion and enthusiasm give way to ambivalence where I can take it or leave it? How does it get to CBA? Do you recognize what that feels like? Is that how you're feeling right now, maybe? I know we go through different seasons in life and passion wanes at times. It does for all of us. But, you know, it shocks me to see or hear of people who were on fire for Jesus at one part of their life who are now barely lukewarm. But one of the things you'll see is that for all those people, there has been a disconnect. A disconnect in their relationship with God. Less of a reliance on God and more of a reliance on self. Less of a focus on what God wants and more of a focus on pursuing what I want. You know, if you remove an ember from a fire, then it will quickly grow cold, won't it? I was just looking at those lovely hanging baskets outside that Noi does for us. Where's Noi? Thank you, Noi. Uh, and th- throughout some of the, the summer, not a lot of people are around in the, in the week. I've been coming and watering those hanging baskets, but there's days when I haven't been able to get up here. And when I come back, you very quickly see what happens when the plants don't get the water they need. They become dry and droopy. <laughs> Are you feeling dry and droopy (laughs) this morning? (laughs) If you remove yourself from church, from family, if you remove yourself from reading the Word of God every day, from times of worship, if you remove yourself from relationship with Jesus who said He is the water of life, then spiritually you will grow cold. You will be dry and droopy. It's the same in any relationship, isn't it? If you don't spend quality time with each other, if communication stops, if you start looking elsewhere to get your needs met, then that relationship will grow cold. Just the way it is. Jesus said, you say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. I mean, notice how I and me censored those Statements are, and you don't realize that you are wretched, wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, spiritually speaking. The challenge of Jesus is buy gold from me. Go to Jesus for what you need, in other words. Treasure the things of God. Value the things of his kingdom. Don't be chasing treasure elsewhere. Certainly not the temporary stuff you can find down here. He says, buy white clothes from me. And I'm telling you, nothing else you try to put on is going to feel as good as the white clothes that only Jesus can give you. The clothes that come from living a forgiven, clean and holy life, bought for us by the death of Jesus on a cross. Only he can wash us as white as snow. Nothing else will do. And finally, he says, buy ointment for your eyes. Why do we need ointment for our eyes? 
You know, we see so much that is death to us. Whether it's things on the news or what we are drawn to on the internet or just the amount of violence and murder we witness in our entertainment. We've become so desensitized. And we need Jesus to heal our eyes so that we can feel his heart and his compassion and his love. It's the only way to counter the indifference. We're only going to get all that by investing in relationship with him. You know, God is not indifferent to us. He doesn't look at us and say, oh, I can take him or leave him. He gave everything for us. Here's what Jesus says next in Revelation chapter 3. Remember, this was written to Christians, by the way. He said, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Now, relationship is what God wants with each one of us. And we've got to listen for his knock. We've got to stop what we're doing and go and open that door. We've got to invite him in. We've got to spend some quality time with him. And as we do, we will gain the wisdom and the understanding and the love and the direction and the strength and the power and the patience and the joy and the perspective that we need to truly make a difference. Let's not CBA this moment. Let's pray. Why don't we stand together and pray, if you're able. Father God, we just want to say thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his sacrifice on a cross. Thank you for his death for me. Well, thank you for your passion. And Lord, would you forgive me for my indifference at times? Lord, would you forgive me when I just want to CBA it all? Lord, would you help me to count the cost and to give my all to make a difference here on the earth and for eternity? Lord, thank you for the, the privilege that you've given us to carry your message and your heart to the world. Lord, would you come and fan a flame, the gift within? Would you just refill us or fill us for the first time with your Holy Spirit? Come and get our spiritual hearts pumping again, Lord. May our hearts be beating with the things that are making your heart beat. Lord, would our concern be the things that you're concerned about? And Lord, would you help us in this new era of our church's life to make a radical difference here in Treadworth and beyond? And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.